bless you guys. Good evening. Good evening. You're from Wellington. I'm going. I'm going to be speaking in Wellington next Sunday. I'm going to be in Lower Hutt. Lower Hutt at um, Hope, Hope Center next uh, next sun, just next Sunday. Yeah. All right. You guys ready? Man, thank you, uh, thank you, Gideon and Catherine. Did you know? Like, uh, just thinking about this this afternoon, I I think it's seven years they've tried to get me. It's we've been in conversation off and on, like every six months Gideon tries me and I'm like, ah, I can't. And yeah, he's like a little bull terrier that just holds on and let go. And then finally, finally I said, we can do it. And we booked the tickets <laughs> and then COVID happened. <laughs> I would have got shut down. So I was meant to be here before COVID, right? It was like, it was February or March, I think it was, isn't it, of 2020. And uh, so it really is a joy to be back here. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for your love and your your. Your, uh, it's been, it really has been a, has been a joy. You know, we've, uh, I, just, I was just thinking about uh, earlier you know, what I wanted to uh, touch on tonight, and we've touched on quite a bit of ground uh, over the weekend. And, but there, if there's only one message that I was allowed to speak, you know, if I was going somewhere and it was just a one-off preach, it would, it would probably be on union with the Father. And, uh, you know, it's Jesus says, I'm in, I'm, the Father's in me, and I'm in him, and, you're, and I'm in you, you know, that whole John 17 thing. But Galatians 2.20, it says, you know, it's, it's, it is, uh, I've been cru- crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. So yet the cross, through salvation, the I became we. Right? There's the, the most common question I get is, why don't I see miracles? Why don't I see miracles through me? The answer to that question is because there's no I in you, because the I became we. And the sooner we get the revelation that it's actually we, that we're in union with him, that we're in perfect harmony with the Father, that separation from God is an illusion for the life of the believer, that the sooner we come into that place recognizing that, that we, are, we are one and the same, Right, that where I go, he is because he's in me. We're inseparable the, the more we see. See, the internal reality of the life of the believer has to be greater than the external reality. When you recognize the internal reality of union with the Father, you begin to shift an external reality around you, and you'll see more things happen through you by accident than what you intended to try and do. I said, this is just. This is such a big deal to me is union. I was speaking to the healing room workers this afternoon about it, of, of truly understanding union. It's just such a mystery thing, you know, and it's, it's something that, that I keep on digging into of understanding, Lord, I need, I need to, gra- I need to grab, grasp a better understanding of, of the union I have with you. What would happen if we, if we stopped using faith for healing and started using faith to recognize the one that lives in us? And we begin to shift stuff around us. It says that Jesus, Jesus never did many miracles in Nazareth ex, uh, because of their unbelief, except where he laid hands on them. I think that the laying on of hands was the secondary anointing. His primary anointing was union with the Father. That where he, that where he went, people get healed just because he showed up. And we see that. Like, for example, in the woman of the issue of blood, which I'll come to uh, just in a few moments. A, a couple of years ago, I actually thought I shared this testimony the other night, but apparently I didn't. A couple of years ago, uh, we were flying from uh, Vienna, Austria, to 
um, San Francisco, which had to go through uh, had to go through um, uh, Frankfurt, and I had the strangest flight. I don't know how this worked out, but I had to go from I had to go to Salzburg, and then I had to go from Salzburg to Milan, Italy, and I had a five-hour layover, and then I had to come uh, back to Frankfurt for a twelve-hour layover. Right, and I went on to uh, Chicago, and I called up the airline and said, I don't know how this has happened. Can I just rebook? I want to get home. Can you just shuffle them around and cut out Milan? You know, I've gone all the way to Milan and back, you know. And they said, oh, sure, no problem. And they, they go to make the arrangements, and they said, uh, there is a change fee on that flight, you know, to do that. And I said, oh, whatever, I'll just pay it. Like, I just want to get home. And she said, it's 12,000 US dollars change fee. And I'm like, I'll go to Milan. <laughs> I went to Milan, I jumped in an Uber, and, uh, and I said, just take me to the best coffee shop there is. I spent $150 in an Uber to drive an hour to get to good coffee, had a coffee, got back in the Uber, and drove $150 back to the airport to fly out. I was just trying to, just trying to burn up some time. But on the first flight from uh, Vienna to, to Frankfurt, um, the, in Europe, like here, uh, well, like they did the other day, you, you board the plane from the front and the back. And when I fly, uh, I'm not meaning to sound, you know, kind of, well, I'm an introvert, but when I fly, that's kind of like my recharge time. You know, like I'm not the evangelist who likes to stand up on the plane and try to convert the plane and tell them, you know, do you know where you're going if the plane crashes? You know, that's just not, <laughs> that's just not me, you know. <laughs> However, <laughs> I was on one flight and it was severe turbulence, like just severe. I mean, the plane is just, just shaking all over the place and, the lady sitting next to me just reaches across and holds my hand. <laughs> and then it's settled down and she lets go. And then it gets worse again. She reaches over. She's holding it like I'm her husband. You know, she's holding my hand and lets go. And she goes, why are you so much at peace? She says, does this not bother you? And I said, not in the slightest. I actually find it quite soothing. I do, I, like, it's just like, I said, see it like this. It's like your car's going along and you hit a pothole on the road. That's all a turbulence is. It's just a pothole, actually. I mean, generally, I'm honest, it generally rocks me to sleep. It's like, I love it. Oh, good, here's turbulence. I'm going to have a nap, you know, just wants <laughs> me up to sleep. And, uh, and she turns to me, she says, why, why, why are you at so much peace? And I said, because this plane's not going down. And she goes, how do you know that? And I said, because I've got a destiny on my life that I haven't completed yet. And she goes, oh. And I said, but if it does go down, I know where I'll be tomorrow. Do you? <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I, I, I got to talk to her about Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so we're on this flight from uh, uh, Vienna, Austria to, to Salzburg. And again, like I say, it's, it's my downtime. You know, I often put earplugs in to listen to you know, my iPods, and uh, I lost them. I was out bike riding the other day, and one fell out, like $250 AirPods. I can't find it anywhere. And uh, so I, I have my AirPods in, and I often don't even play music. I, put, I play nothing just so the people think I'm listening to music so they don't talk to me, right? I mean, I, I, re I really need my downtime on the plane. So, the, and it's only a short flight from Vienna to, uh, to, it's probably an hour, an hour and a half or something like that, and and we're, we're in the air, and I come from the front of the plane, sit in my seat, and she comes from the back of the plane, and I didn't even really see her come in. And she's, she's sitting there, and we take off, and 
we're nearing the end of the flight and I take my AirPods out and she turns to me and she says, um, so were you in town on, on business? I said, yes. <laughs> and she goes, okay. She goes, what business are you in? And I said, I'm a public speaker and an author. And she goes, okay. She goes, what, what do you speak on? I said, the paranormal. <laughs> I'm looking for reactions, or either that or I'm trying to scare them off so they'll leave me alone, you know? And it goes silent, like it goes completely silent. And I, I knew she had swallowed the hook, line, the bait, and the sinker, you know, the whole lot. It's like I knew I had her. I was just waiting for her to bite, you know? I'm sitting there with my fishing rod, just waiting for her to bite, you know? And I, and I turned to her and I said, so were you in town on business? And she goes, yes. She said, I'm a banker. And I said, what kind of a banker are you? And she said, I'm a merchant investment banker. And I said, that's interesting. And I said, uh, who do you work for? And she said, I, I don't work currently. Um, and I said, oh, why, why is that? And she said, I'm, I'm in a lawsuit with my company in Chicago. I walked into my office and some ice had fallen out of the freezer. And I slipped on it. I went upside down. I flipped in the air, and on the way down, I hit the back of my neck on the edge of a table, and I've blown out every single disc, and my back is ruptured. Everyone's gone. And she said, I've had one major surgery, and I need another one. Now, I'm a man of few words, and I'm just sitting there, and I went, ouch. You must hurt. I'm just looking for, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to do much to minister people. Just ask the right questions. <laughs> Ouch, that must hurt. And she goes, you got no idea how much pain I'm in. She said, I hurt from here right down, right down my spine to my hip and my entire legs, my entire legs numb. She said, I've, she said, I've had one major surgery and I'm scheduled for another one in just a few weeks when I get back to Chicago. And I said, hmm. I said, do you mind if I try something? And with great fear in her eyes, she, she looks at me and she said, well... I said, it's okay, um, I, I'm not going to manipulate it. But I said, I am a physician's assistant also. <laughs> my, my bag, my bag there, if you look at the label on my bag, on the side of my bag, it says international physician's assistant. <laughs> we're all physician's assistants. He's the physician, we're the assistant, right? And she goes, I said, but, I, but we... I don't know who she thought we was. I, I said, but we, we just want to touch your shoulder for a minute. She goes, okay. I said, we just put a hand on her shoulder just for a few seconds and just leave it there for three or four seconds. What, what am I doing? I'm practicing the union that I have with the Father. Right? I'm pondering Galatians 2.20. I'm, I'm pondering John 15. I'm just, I'm not praying. I'm do, not doing anything weird. I'm just thinking about scripture. And the hand comes off. I said, how's that? She goes, Two things just happened. And I said, what happened? And she said, I'm covered in goosebumps, like head to toe. And I'm like, huh. And I didn't reply what it was. I think it's just the non-Christian term for recognizing the presence, right? And I said, what's the second thing? And she said, this is very hard to explain. But she said, when you put your hand on me, she said, I felt something lift off. And I said, hmm, do you want some more? She goes, yes, 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 yes. 
another few seconds of practicing union with the father, take it off. And I said, how's that? And she goes, who are you and what do you really do? She goes, that is the first time I've been pain-free since the day of my accident. And she goes, but I can't, I can't truly test it out until we land. Now, we landed five minutes later. I'd forgotten about it, right? I'm packing my stuff up, and I forgot all about it. And uh, we, we, we land, and I'm in the middle seat on the right side of the plane, so she's on my left, and she stands up, and she grabs her, she grabs her bag, and she walks out of the plane. I'm right behind her. And as we're walking out of the plane, the wheelchairs are at the ramp there to collect the people. And she turns to me and she goes, Chris, you see that wheelchair? And I'm like, huh? She goes, it's mine. I live in it. That's what brought me into this plane. And she said, and it's staying right there. And she just walks off. See, that, that's how the life, that's how life should be when we truly begin to understand the union with the Father, now I know what some of you are thinking, like, did you lead it to Jesus? I get asked this all the time. And it's like, we had a greater conversation. We had a way greater conversation. And she goes, you know, you talk about the supernatural and the, the paranormal, whatever you call it. She said, can I share something with you? Because I actually kind of think that that stuff's true. And I said, well, tell me your story. And she said, when I was younger, I had, um, is, it, is it MRSA? Is it the flesh-eating disease? I think it was MRSA. She said, I had MRSA, the flesh-eating disease. I go to hospital to have an arm amputated and a leg amputated. They, it got out of control, and there was no answer except take off my arm. One, it was, I think it was her right arm and her left leg or something. And uh, I, I'm in the operation room with three doctors. And the doctors, I can see them behind the glass. They mask themselves up. They walk in uh, to the theater. I'm laying on the table. And while they're standing there, they're just three of them standing in a row, just kind of discussing between themselves. She said, I, there are three eight-foot men that walked in the room. And one stood behind each doctor, and they looked at me and went. <laughs> and she said, it was like an encounter from another world. She said, I knew at that point I wasn't going to lose my leg, and I, think I knew it was going to be okay, and I started to laugh. And she said, when I'm, I'm beginning to laugh, and the doctor says, why are you laughing? And she said, oh, it doesn't matter. And the doctor said, oh, it's because I've given you some, some gas to put you to sleep. And she said, doctor, you haven't given me anything yet. And the doctor says, you're right, so I haven't put the masks on, and she passes out. When she wakes up, she didn't lose her arm, didn't lose her leg. Doctor standing right there and said, we're unable to explain this, but we've captured the, the MRSA. You're going to be fine you know, from, from here on. And I tell you, I am, I, am, I am obsessed by living this life of union because if it's not union, we can be very, it's very easy to go to principles. The principles of prayer you know, or the secondary anointing of laying hands on people. Not that I'm against laying hands on people. I do it all day, every day, right? But we can see greater fruit by living in this place of union with the Father. Uh, there's just a couple, a couple of kind of points, uh, things I want to go after tonight. And I, I've already told you multiple times through this weekend that I just, I, I burn to see a healing revival in this nation. I mean, it's just something that's just, that's just on me that would see a grassroots movement through this nation, that would see the most extraordinary miracles that this nation's ever seen. 
And I, there's a story, and there's two stories in Mark chapter 5, and I'm just going to share these two stories, and we're going to do a bit of an activation thing tonight. But it says this, it says, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. It's the story of the demoniac. And the demoniac is running around in the naked, in, naked and he's running around in the, in the graveyards naked, and he's cutting himself, and uh, he's, doing, he's, he's crying out and cutting himself with stones. And he sees Jesus from afar, and he runs and he worships him. And he cries out with a loud voice and says, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. I, I just think it's funny. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. I, I think we've got it around the wrong way. You're not the tormented. You're the tormentor. He's the tormented. A Christian that knows that Christ lives in them is the tormentor. We're the tormentor to the powers of darkness. The powers of darkness is the tormented one. We've got to, I think we need to begin to teach another way here. Oh, you're so tormented by the devil. No, no, the devil's the tormented one. You're the tormentor. Go torment him. And we're going to talk in a few minutes of how you, how you torment the devil. Right? It's one of my favorite things to do is torment the devil. And it says, and now a large swine uh, was feeding there near the mountains, and the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine. And Jesus at once gave them permission. I, I love that. He gave them permission to leave. It's like, okay, you can leave now. <laughs> right? And this is the bit that gets me. Verse 15. They then came to Jesus, and they had seen the one who had been demon-possessed, and the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. So we've got a demoniac running around naked, howling at the moon, cutting himself. Jesus sets him free. Right? He's completely free and he's in his right mind. He's not naked anymore. He's got clothes on. You know what the next verse says? And the people were afraid. They're not afraid that he's naked. They're afraid that he's in his right mind. Now, these are the questions I ask myself. I've already, you already know how I read the Bible. We've spoken about this over the weekend. He's clothed, sitting clothed. It's like, where did he get his clothes? I mean, he's just instantly clothed. I'd like to propose to you that Jesus dressed him in an apostolic mandate and said, you're set free, now go heal the sick. He's instantly clothed. And he dresses him with that apostolic mandate. And he addresses us. He dresses us. He clothes us in that apostolic mandate and says, now go heal the sick. Now, and they're afraid. See, I, I believe that it's time for this nation that the miracles that will be displayed through the saints on the streets and in the churches and at workplaces, wherever we are, are going to be so dramatic that the people will begin to fear God because of his goodness. See, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not their repentance that brings the goodness of God. And again, I think we've got that all around the wrong way. You don't behave yourself into a miracle. It's his goodness that brings us into that place of the miracle, uh, that place of repentance. Repentance. His goodness shows up. We heal people. 
you see them repent. And I tell you, I've seen more people repent and give their life to Jesus through the display of compassion and the display of power than trying to convince someone. I was uh, in uh, a few years ago. I'd had a I'd had a really long day. I'd been up for nearly seventy hours of it was travel and jet lag, and I was meeting a member of parliament in London in the House of Lords, and and then I had to preach, and then I went back to the hotel to sleep, and I couldn't sleep because my body was so messed up from jet lag. I'm so thankful I don't really do jet lag now. It's overrated. I decided one day it was overrated, and I just never got it again. <laughs> um, but I got it really bad. I got it really really bad. And I couldn't sleep that night, and I got up and I went through the conference the whole day, uh, that whole day, and uh, and then that that night, I mean, I'm just I'm just hitting a wall. But in the meantime, I'd gone to government to to meet this politician, and uh, this politician was just so um, the politician forgot I was coming, so the meeting was kind of awkward. She he passes me over to uh, his secretary, who says, "Do you want to go go into the uh, debating chamber and see a, a, a live debate in the House of the Lords?" And I said, "Well, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I got nothing else to do, you know." So I'm walking through the underground tunnels to get to the de- uh, the debating chamber with this um, MP's uh, assistant, and she turns to me and she said, "Can I ask you a question?" And I'm like, "Sure." She said, "Why were you seeing the MP today?" And I, I told her, and I told her about some of the breakthroughs that were being seen in autism. He was like the minister of health, and uh, and she said, "That's just incredible." She said, "Really, who are you?" And I said, "Did you want to hear some more testimonies?" And she did, and I shared, so I shared some more testimonies with her about some cancer and some different things that were seen. And she goes, "Do do you think that your God would want to heal me?" And I'm like, "Well, of course." What do you need prayer for? And she said, well, it's obvious I'm overweight. Do you think he can just take off like 40 kilos? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how big's your God? <laughs> and my friend and I, under the tunnels, heading to the, the debating chamber, just begin to minister to her. And she starts weeping. And, I, you know, I'd love to tell you that her... Skirt fell off, and she's like, <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't. <laughs> and she stops, and she looks at me, and she says, who are you? And I said, I, I'm Chris, and this is Maddie. And she goes, what is it that is coming off you? I said, what do you mean? And she goes, I have never, ever felt love and compassion coming off somebody like you two. What is that? And I said, that's just the Father showing you how much he loves you. I said, do you know him? And she goes, no. I'm like, do you want to? And she goes, you bet I do. She said, if that's what I get to carry, I want to know that Jesus that you're talking about. And we got to lead it to the Lord right underneath the, the debating chamber in the House of the Lords in London. See, I think it's, it's time that the world begins to fear God because of his goodness, that we see these extraordinary miracles. Let's move along because there's something I really want to get to. I, I do want to get to how you can torment the devil, right? Because we're going to torment the devil tonight before we leave. Is that all right? It's three of you. That's awesome. You're going to torment the devil tonight before we leave, all right? Yeah. There we go. 
Verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and she had suffered many things. And she spent all she had and she grew no better, but she grew worse. And then she heard about Jesus. She came from behind the crowd and she touched him and she said, if I only may touch the hem, the, the touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, stopped, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Jesus never stopped to heal the woman. She was already healed. Jesus stopped to get the testimony. Right? He stops. He never laid hands on her. He was operating in union. He's walking in the Spirit. He's walking with the union with the Father of recognizing his father because he's more aware of the internal reality than he is the external reality because it's that greater internal reality that will shift the atmosphere around you. You hear that saying he's too, too heavenly minded to be too earthly good. It's like, I, I think that's a lie. I want to become so heavenly minded that things just begin to shift around because you showed up. And I can give you testimony after testimony of walking into a room, prostate cancer healed in Sri Lanka, of just walking to get a cup of tea in a pastor's conference and just walking by the man, not, with, not trying to be weird or anything. I'm going to get a, t- a cup of tea, right? Walking by a man and he gets healed. I come back to the United States and, I'm, and, and I knew that God was doing something in me through this of beginning to release healing through me without praying for people. Walk up in a conference. It was actually a Friday night meeting. And uh, I, you, I don't know if you find this, but I used to lead a Friday night meeting, right? For nine years, I led it at Bethel. And there's such a transient population that, of, of, that are always passing through that you, you go up to people and say, so, hey, you're visiting tonight? And they're like, no, I've been here 20 years. <laughs> right? It's really embarrassing. So I just started treating everybody like they've always been there. Right? Hey, good to see you. And this man goes, thanks so much. And he comes up to me and he goes, hey, do you know when you come near people, you heal them? And I'm like, I kind of know something's up, but like, why, what happened? And he goes, I've got an abscess under my tooth. And he said, I, I, I don't have the finances to go to the dentist. So I've just been grinning and bearing with it for a couple of weeks, but it's pretty painful, and I'm in a lot of pain. He said, when you came up to greet me and just touched me on the shoulder, the thing popped. I saw him a couple of weeks later, and uh, he said, you know, I'm completely healed. And he said, that never, ever gave me any more problems. And then he, he, he smiles, right? He, goes, he only had one tooth. I didn't realize that at the time. And as a joke, I said, when you go to the dentist, do you get a discount? <laughs> Hey, dentist I'm, not, dentist, I'm not here to get my teeth cleaned. I'm here to get my tooth cleaned. <laughs> Moving right along. Who touched me? And his disciples said, you see the multitudes thronging you, and you asked who touched me? And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, she came and she fell down before him, and she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, she's already healed, right? Because she's healed the second that she touched Jesus. And as I told you this morning, English is not God's first language. 
Spirit that destroys chaos, I inherited to you. Go destroy hell. I mean, doesn't that sound like a better version? So, if it's not, if this is not great, a great English version, what it actually says is, "Daughter, your faith has made you well." It says, "Go in peace." But in Acts sixteen thirty six, when the jailer says to Paul. Go in peace. He actually means have a good life. Go in peace. Like, ciao. Be good. But it's a different, completely different context in, uh, in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus says go in peace because what he actually is saying is go into peace. So maybe what Jesus is actually saying there, maybe Jesus is actually giving us a key to walk in in divine health because the woman had partnered with the wrong spirit. She wasn't partnered with peace. She was partnered with fear. And Jesus is saying, you've already, be, you've already been healed, but if you want to be made whole, go into peace and stay in peace and step out of what you were in and step into a new reality, step into that house or that realm of shalom. <clears throat> that that night when I was in England, where I'd been up for seventy something hours, it was it was getting it was getting bad, you know. And then I do this healing conference, and I can feel myself hitting the wall, you know, like mentally starting to hit the wall. And I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to just disappear. I mean, the end of the meeting came at this great healing meeting. The door is over here, and I just wanted to go to the hotel. I mean, I was mentally hitting the wall, and I just wanted to get out the door and go. And I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but I could, I could see a lady walking towards me wanting prayer. And it's like, you know, I could see she had some, some friends on board. And I could, see, I could see she had a lot of mental issues going on. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't, oh, gosh, I just don't have the capacity to deal with her tonight. You know, it's like Friday night. We'll be here tomorrow. Why can't she come see me tomorrow? Surely she can see I'm tired. I'm going through all of this kind of stuff in my head, you know. So I, um, I quickly look for my driver to see if he can get me out before the lady gets to me. And, and he can't because he's tied up with someone. So I go to grab my interns to put my interns in between me and her. And they're both praying with people. And next thing, she's standing right in front of me. And she says, could you, could you minister to me? And I said, sure. What's going on? On the outside, I'm trying to be the man of faith. But inside, I was the man of flower. <laughs> right? I mean, there's just nothing in there to give. There's just nothing. And I looked at her and I said, what, what is it that you need ministry for? And she said, she said um, Chris, she said, I'm, I'm uh, DID, which is Dissociate Identity Disorder. I'm anorexia, I've got anorexia nervosa. She said, I also suffer with, uh, I've, been, I've been suicidal. She said, I have voices in my head that tell me to kill myself all the time. And um, and she's um, what else was she? Um, I think it was schizophrenia, and it was um, um, post traumatic stress disorder. 
and she's under the doctor's, doctor's care for being the top 1% of worst post-traumatic stress disorder patients that there is in the United Kingdom. And she has a letter that she's, she needs to be institutionalized for the safety of herself and the public. And she's asking me, who's got some mental problems going on because I'm so tired, and she's asking me for ministry. And I, I paused there for a minute. I'm just being really honest with you. I'm, I've got this little battle going on in my head that's like, I, I, got nothing to, I got nothing to give you. I didn't say that to her. On the outside, it's like, yes, of course, of course. But this is the battle going inside. And the Lord, the Lord says to me in that moment, he said, you've just forgotten who you are. He said, because separation for the life of the believer is an, is an illusion. He said, you think that your peace is at the hotel resting while you are here, but your peace is with you and it's in you because you and I are inseparable. And then in a loving, rebuking, fatherly way, he says, now nah, heal her. And I turned to Beverly is her name. I turned to Beverly and I said, Beverly, I said, well, let's pray. We put our hand on her head. It was, trust me, it was a really fast prayer because I want to go to bed. I said, Father, we just declare the shalom of heaven in this body from the top of her head to the sole of her feet that every faculty in this body would come into order with the way that you created her. We bless her now in Jesus' name. Good night, gave her a hug and took off. Right now, I didn't see her Saturday. She's there. I didn't see her Sunday. I'm preaching in London. I drive to London. I'm speaking in a friend's church. You know Emma Cormack? You know Emma Cormack? Raised from the dead? Emma Cormack, the jellyfish man? Oh, yeah. yeah, he lives in Tauranga now. Yeah, great man. Very, very good friend of mine. And uh, he was raised from the dead in 1983, I think. I've known him since 1984. It's, it's got to be a life-changing experience, huh? You gotta look him up. He was, he, he was um, raised in the morgue. They're doing um, they're doing reflex tests with a scalpel on the bottom of his foot, and he nurse screams and runs out, and he checks himself out of hospital. Now I've lost my, lost my track. What I was saying, I got track. Beverly, I'm at his church because he was in London, right? Ends back here now. He was in London. And I, I get a message that Beverly was completely healed on Friday night. I message Beverly on Facebook and I say, hey, Beverly, I believe you've got this powerful testimony. I'd love to hear it. And she tells me exactly, what's, was exactly what happened. And I, I put the pastor hat on, right? She's like, you know, I, I'm like, hey, well, just make sure you don't come off your medication. Let the doctor tell you what medication to come off. And, you know, I'm, just, I'm starting to be the pastor, you know, because I'm still a little concerned that, you know, some people are saying that they're healed and they're not. And, you know, so she goes to the doctor and she said, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. She goes to the doctor the following day and the, she writes me back and she says, the doctor thinks I'm madder than ever. <laughs> so she demands an appointment with the head psychiatric doctor of the United Kingdom who she has been under the care for 
which was the doctor that gave her the institutional letter that she needs to be institutionalized. She's got to go on a little bit of a waiting list to get in to see him. She gets in to see him finally. She undergoes a thorough examination. I've got the entry letter. I've got the discharge letter because the discharge letter from the doctor says something like this. I reviewed Beverly today and Beverly is essentially back to her normal self. I cannot explain what happened to her except that she went to a healing conference and got prayed for by a minister from California. Beverly has been discharged from my office. She no longer needs to come back, but my door is always open should she feel the need to talk. Beverly now runs a ministry in the United Kingdom to young ladies with disassociate identity disorder and anorexia nervosa, and she sees them healed all the time. And on speaking to her once, I said, Beverly, so how have you seen so many healed? And she said, it's really easy. I just played them the video that you spoke at our church that night, and I make them watch it, and then I walk along, and I lay my hands on them, and I say, my peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Because we can only give away what we know we've got. See, do you know that you're at peace with the Father? See, what is it that's stealing your peace? Too many people in this day, in this environment, I'm not just talking the New Zealand environment, I'm talking the world environment, that have lost their peace. And they're partnered with the spirit of fear Right, and it's and I, I'm, I'm. This is not a polarizing comment, but we're partnered with the spirit of fear over COVID. Right, whether it be that way or that way, you know, it's like whether it be should I wear a mask or shouldn't I? Should I get vaccinated or shouldn't I? It's like whatever way. There's the spirit of fear. I'm not. Draw, I'm not drawing. I'm not telling you what to do. Right. I'm. I'm not telling you what I did. Right, because it's not your business. You don't need to know what I did. Right, but. All, all as I'm saying is like we partner with fear. Or we partner with fear because petrol's gone up so much. Or we partner with fear because, you know, inflation's out of control. See how easy it is to step across that line and to begin to partner with the opposite spirit. Or we partner with fear because you've got a bad doctor's report. See, I've got really good news for you is that, that the doctor gives facts but Jesus is not the spirit of fact. He's the spirit of truth. And we end up hearing facts and we freak out. We freak out because we see gases at $3.20 a gallon, a liter. Sorry, I'm used to gallons being in the States. It's, it's three, they're complaining about the gas prices. Hard, you, New Zealand, we pay twice the price of what they pay over there. Of their, their rates, they're only paying like $5 a gallon, which is we're paying about 10 a gallon US. Yeah. We, we freak out over the price of gas. The fact is that petrol is $3.20 a litre. The truth is he's your provider. See, what's stealing your peace? Is he your provider or is he not? See, I can't help but wonder when Jesus says to this woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole, go into peace. He was telling her to step out of the false reality that you're in and step into the true reality, the reality of the kingdom, the reality of peace. See, what's stealing your peace? 
See, perhaps he's actually just given us the, the, uh, the divine key or the key to walk in divine health. But yet we fall into the place of fear when we get the doctor's report. Perhaps if we actually can stay in the place of peace, regardless of the doctor's report, then it's actually us that's, that's tormenting the devil because the devil becomes the tormented because he cannot handle a Christian that can stay in peace regardless of what the report is. It is, is not the facts don't come. Got a lot of facts. I've told you, I've got a lot of things going on at home right now. It's like, I got a lot of facts facing me. I got lawyers wanting to talk to me tomorrow. I've got, I've got so many things that's happening in my life right now around, around lawsuits and stuff like that. And it's like, but yet I refuse to partner with the spirit of fear. I'm going to stay in peace because peace, because fear is always at the door knocking. See, Beverly drove home that night from the conference, and I think that this is an important uh, little segment to put on to the end of this message, because Beverly drove home from the conference that night, and I found this out a, a number of weeks later. She said, Chris, I was driving home from the conference knowing that I'd been healed, knowing that the Lord had touched me, knowing that my mind was clear and the voices had gone. And she said, I feel great. And I'm driving home and an audible voice comes in the car and says, Beverly, you need to kill yourself tonight. And I said, oh my gosh, like, what did you do? And she said, I turned my heart in thanksgiving and I thank God that I'd been prayed for. And she said, and the voice goes silent. And I said, well, that's good. And she said, I go to bed that night. I woke up in the morning. The audible voice appears in my room again and said, Beverly, this is your last chance. You need to do it now. And I said, Beverly, what did you do? And she said, again, I turned my heart in thanksgiving because I refused to let it steal my peace. I turned my heart in thanksgiving to the Lord. And I said, Father, I don't accept that fact that's coming at me. I'm partnering with truth. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in that place of peace. And I said, what happened? And she said, the voice went quiet and it never came back. See, what, what, is, what is stealing your peace? Because when you can stay in that place of peace, and I think I, I'm not aware of a time in history, in my life anyway, obviously there's been, you know, I haven't been through World War II or World War I, but the, I, I am not aware of any place in my life, in my history, where fear is so prevalent that fear is constantly constantly knocking at the door and it's like we are seeing so many suicides today and not just in New Zealand we're seeing suicides around the world there's one country I was tracking that had 97 deaths from COVID but 2,700 suicides in the same time see what is stealing your peace and this is the message we're going to close in just a couple of minutes because this is what I want to leave you with because there is so much swirl happening in the world right now that it's really easy to partner with the spirit of fear. And Jesus is saying, 
Don't partner with the spirit of fear. Partner with the spirit of peace because it's my peace I give unto you. You have the ability to destroy the powers of hell by staying in that place of peace because shalom is the spirit that destroys chaos. It's obviously a way bigger meaning than that. It means wholeness and completeness and fullness. It means all that, but it also means the, the ability to destroy the uh, false authority. And, and so many people that, uh, that I get to minister to, you feel like that you're actually trying to bring them to that place of peace before you can even minister healing to them because all as they've been told is you've got a week to live or you've got six weeks to live and they're partnering with fear. And you've got to try and cut through that fear to bring some kind of peace before you can feel like you can even minister to them because all they're thinking about is dying. See, what if we became a church? When I, I don't just mean this church, that church. What if the church became so aware of our union with the Father that we're one with Him, that the Prince of Peace actually lives in us, that we decided that we weren't going to partner with the age, the spirit of the age, but we're going to partner with the Prince of Peace, that wherever we go, we begin to shift in atmosphere and we begin to release hope and we bring hope into an environment just because you showed up. I'm not talking about walking in somewhere and being weird. No. <laughs> Release some peace here. <laughs> it's like we're going to stop being weird and just start being believers and walk in knowing that you are the light of the world. Why don't we stand together? I forgot to ask you what time we finished, but this might be the... Fastest message you've ever heard me preach. It's, 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 my, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Mark chapter 5. It's just, it's just so rich. It's just so much in it. Can, um, can, I, can I have someone come and help me up here? I, 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 want us to do, I want us to do a prophetic act. I want us to do a prophetic act tonight. I want you to position yourself to take a step forward, right? So if you have to step into the aisle or step backwards or, you know, just step somewhere, you can take a, take a step forward. Because to, tonight we're, we're going to do this prophetic act of stepping out of whatever it is that you're dealing with, right? I, I, I Just being honest, I have never seen a season in my life where I'm dealing with so much mental anguish on people. There's people are getting so messed up. It's just like they are stressed. They're just so stressed with going, what's going on. Like everybody's just like biting people. It's like it's got to stop. And the way that it's going to stop is by, I think that we've stepped out of the circle of peace. And I think we've stepped into another realm. We've stepped into the enemy's camp. See, I, I'm not, how do I put this? I, I'm not in a battle with the devil. I'm just in a journey with Jesus. I read the end of the book, Gideon, it says we win. 
I rest in the finished works of the cross. Some of you feel like, some of you are tired because you feel like you've got to go and beat the devil up each and every day. You know how you beat him up? Just stay in peace. You stay in peace, he's tormented. You're the tormentor. You're not in peace, he becomes the tormentor and you become the tormented. I know this feels probably like a real simple message tonight, but it's just what I feel like to leave you with because it's a, it's a healing message. I'm going after stress. I'm going after anxiety. I'm going after all the emotions and mental, mental issues that are going on in people's lives. I, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's like there's so much mental stuff. I've had the battle going on. It's like because he keeps coming to my door and it's knocking and it's like, Oh, it's just you. Like, leave me alone. Like, I'm hanging out with Jesus. I'm not coming down to answer my door. I know who it is. And I know what he wants. I'm too busy practicing union. It's funny when you begin to practice union, stuff kind of just takes care of itself. I mean, my Bible says he fights for me on my behalf. I mean, if he's fighting for me on my behalf, I'm going to learn to rest and I'm going to let him fight. <laughs> Hope he's good at fighting because he's got to fight tomorrow. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to close your eyes. I, I, I tell you, like, this is a scientific proof. I don't think my doctor friend's here tonight. But this is scientific proof is that the, the guilt and stress and those things actually make us sick. And we, we wonder why the church is just as sick as the world. I read a science report that says that the church is the most guilt-ridden organization on the face of the earth. I'm like, you know why that is? Because we're not preaching the gospel. He took it. He took your guilt. We spoke about that last night. He took your shame. And it's time tonight that we hand over anxiety and we hand over stress and we hand over those things that are just constantly winding us down because we wonder why we're mentally hitting the wall. And I, I want you to put your hands in front of you. We did this the other night, but I want you to put your hands in front of you like a cup. And I want you to begin to put in your hands the things that you know that you've partnered with that are not from the Prince of Peace. Maybe it's fear of lack, fear of finances, fear of people, fear of the devil. He's not to be feared. He fears you. Anxiety. 
you know that you're struggling with depression, put it in your hands. You, you know that you, you might be here tonight and you know that you're struggling with an eating disorder. Put that in your hands. Maybe it's both ways, you know, like whether it be anorexia or the other way, your gluttony. Put that eating disorder in your hands. Put it all in there. You know, my, my heart is, is that we just walk free. That we would be that we would be a free people. I, I can't help but wonder, but how powerful the church would be, Gideon, if we just walked free, free of anxiety, free of worry. Some of you are so addicted to the news, you've got to turn it off. You know, I was fascinated by Wigglesworth. Do you know Wigglesworth never, ever read the newspaper? And he wouldn't allow anybody to take a newspaper into his house. He never fed on the news, ever. He only fed on the news. The good news. Put it in your hands. And we're just going to finish with this prophetic act and we're going to just worship for a moment because I, I really sense that the Lord is going to actually set some people free. See, Jesus said to that woman, He said, your faith has made you whole. Go into peace. And I'm going to say to you, and Jesus said to the woman, your faith has made you whole. Go into peace. And when I say go into peace, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to step out of whatever it is that you're carrying. I, I want you to prophetically take a step forward. And I want you to respond to me and say, I step into peace out loud. Okay, so I'm going to say, and Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, go into peace and be made whole. And you're going to say, I step into peace and you're going to step out of whatever you're in and step back into that place of peace. Are you ready? And Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Go into peace. I step into peace. And just stand there for a minute and I want you to begin to practice union. For, for me, I think it comes in all different ways. I mean, for me, I, I meditate on Scripture, Galatians 2.20, John 15. 1 John, perfect love is not how much I love God, it's how much God loves me. I practice union by practicing how much He loves me, recognizing His love for me. Just keep your eyes closed and just let Him come. I can see God doing different things all over the room. I've seen cancer leave over this. I've just been in that place of peace. Sickness begins to bow. 
Just stay in that place. It's just a sweet presence here. Just stay in that place. Can, can you just, can you sing something over us? Just let them sing. Don't you sing. Just let them sing over you. Let truth wash over you tonight. don't know that I've ever called this out in 22 years of ministry but I, I had this picture of this there's someone here where it's like you felt like that you've reached the end of the row and you've even thought about suicide the Lord wants to set you free you're like I've ran out of hope he's saying I want to fill you with hope I'm going to fill you to overflowing with hope. With, with every, just everyone, please, everyone close your eyes. If, if, if that's you, would you just give me a little wave? Just put your hand up quickly and put it back down. that they'd be so filled with the spirit of peace we just we silence that voice in their head that would say you're no good for nothing and Lord and we fill them with truth and say you're good for everything we just silence that tormenting spirit right now in Jesus' name. And we declare to you both that that day of torment 
ends now. I feel like that there's, there's people here also that, I mean, we went after miracles last night, but there's people here also, you feel like you've actually lost hope medically. Like it's just like long-term things. You just you just constantly battling battling with it, and you've like you've given up. You've just even given up believing that there can be breakthrough. The breakthrough is not yours. Who's that? Just raise your hand and put it back down. side. 